Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. In this discussion, I'm going to show you why it may be better to save that money you may want to spend on a higher degree and rather invest it in learning how to leverage knowledge, seller assets, IP, and corporate bank accounts to acquire a company or equity in a company. And I know that's a big argument, you know, knowledge and applied knowledge. For me, knowledge is great, but you have to apply that knowledge. If you're, if you're one of those degree collectors that have, you know, six degrees or whatever, that's great. But unless you're applying that knowledge, it's literally just knowledge and not applied. And the way that you gain um, uh, your your ability to teach this is to apply what you've learned. So, and, and that's why if you look at a tenured professor, let's say of 20 years, and you're looking at an entrepreneur of 20 years, the entrepreneur will always out-earn the professor almost every single time because they're applying their knowledge and growing as they, as they go. So to make a distinction between growth and scaling, I, I, I just have to say this. The difference between growth and scaling, it's important to note that most people believe they're the same thing. I want to grow my company. I want to grow and scale my company. Well, which is it? They aren't the same. Growth is simply more revenue with increased base costs. And scaling is more revenue with no increased base cost. Just to put that out front there, you can all use that in your next meeting to turn some heads. How's that sound? So as a turnaround consultant, I spent the last 20 plus years fixing problems in small, medium, and large companies. I've consulted megastars, political organizations, NASDAQ companies, PLCs, Fortune 500 firms, and entrepreneurs. It was a great gig, I gotta tell you, it was amazing. I was Dubai, Turkey, Far East, Hong Kong, everywhere. But I was always searching for clients and that was getting old, right? So you're always running after the next client. One client at one time really wanted my services and I knew I could crush the growth for him, but he couldn't afford me no matter how much value I offered. So since my ethos is to lead with value by focusing on the intention of solving problems and not the outcome, I dug deep into what I could do for him and it dawned on me I could offer him a lower fee and take equity in his company. Hmm. I only had to shed the light on the fact that giving me equity would give him peace of mind that I would perform because I had skin in the game now. And for me, it was a variable that I could control instead of a flat rate or profit share, which he controls. 
He actually agreed and paid me a monthly retainer, a commission on sales I generated through my third-party contacts and 10% equity. I was fairly happy, I, I'm sure you can imagine. I went on to turn the company around, earn three times my rate with that commission, and it exited for an amount that would have been close to 50% equity when we began our, 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 our joint venture. I continued to do this over the next 1.5 years and gained equity in quite a few companies. As an example of a great deal is when I received 7.5% equity in an Austrian manufacturer who also paid me a five-figure upfront fee for introductions to manufacturers, contractors, distributors in the USA, and 3% commission on all sales through those contacts, not to mention a three-month retainer to set up the communication and structure the partnerships. So you're probably asking, how the heck did you do this, Stephen? Or you might be asking, are you ripping these people off? Well, let me explain to you how this works 95% of the time. In our book, co-authored by Lane, Lane Below, my, my co-author, titled Unleash Your Humble Alpha, we discuss five core models which lead to complete ownership of your presence and how to unleash that epic leader already inside of you. One method we use is the most powerful and uh, of the five models, and it's called creating space. Most of you know this, which I would like to explain as the catalyst for my business dealings. Creating space is a simple concept. And if there's anything you, you remember from this session, this should be it. You show up wholly and fully for the person in front of you, whether a keynote, business meeting, or partner, or even clubhouse, with only one intention. That's adding value by solving problems. This begins with letting go of any and all expectations and focusing on the intention. We can't control the outcome anyway, so why bother? When we try to control the outcome, the person across from you feels it and the energy in the room is different, uncomfortable, or it's off. And this leads to a selling type of discussion where you try and get your point across and sell instead of listening and providing a solution. It's just, this is so key. Don't take this lightheartedly. I promise you. You show up to a meeting, any meeting, especially if you're a salesperson, and you forget about what it is that you're trying to sell, and you focus only on the intention of solving their problems, you will fly. I promise you that. When one focuses on the intention of creating value by solving problems, harboring no expectations, and not showing up with any preconceived notions or cookie-cutter solutions, the discussion is free of any wants or wishes, making the entire interaction effortless, but also creates a space around the two parties that's conducive to creativity and co-creation. And often you come up with solutions and ideas that neither one of you would have come up with on your own. This is how I do every single meeting that I'm in, every single client discussion, every single, it doesn't matter what it is, I create space every single time. And here comes the reason why the company owners are keen to work in this manner. Because when you seek solutions, any solution, the client is relieved and sees a way out or a way forward. Even more impactful is to find the problems and ensure you solve it regardless if it is you or another person's solution. You understand? Even if you're not the solution, you provide the solution through someone else who you might know in your network. And you do all of this before you even discuss a deal structure or even discuss closing the deal. Typically after a meeting, you all know my five questions, when I'm in a meeting, I go in and I ask five questions in conversation form. Where are you at right now? What's your status? Like, what's going on? Number two is, what are your challenges? Number three is, what have you done to try to overcome those challenges? Number four is, why do you think that what you've done did not work? And number five is, where do you want to go? All right, so this is the discussion that I have. I get all of the answers typically 
um, there's a personal issue in there as well uh, that's, that's, that's bringing this person to the table. And I will typically depart a meeting with the statement, give me a week and I will return with a solution. Then I do my research, speak with my network, and find at least three options and return with these solutions to the client, potential client. Then they have an abundance of choice and they have an abundance of solutions. And they're so satisfied and often surprised at the ability to do so before an agreement is even signed that they're more than glad to listen to your offer. In the instance of the Austrian manufacturer, I received an upfront fee for introductions of those who will solve the problem, an equity stake and commissions should sales be involved, as well as a monthly retainer. Because I showed up first with the solutions before I even talked about hiring me, bringing me on or anything. Obviously, everyone's not a consultant or works in this way. So let's shift gears to acquiring companies you see as an opportunity to grow your business or wealth. So if you're not a consultant, this is for you. If you're not someone who can add value through your talents in a, in a business, this is for you. Looking at acquisitions as what they really are is key. Most have a proposed structure to acquire business. You know, you, you learn the ways to acquire business. You go to a meeting with a structure in mind, and you try to fit the business you're talking to into your ideal solution and not the seller's solution. And this is where many M&A professionals fall short or have issues. It's the same thing when you approach an investor for a project. If you approach an investor for a project and you say, hey, here's my project, take a look, more than not, they, they won't even look at it. Why? Because you don't know what they're looking for. You don't know what structures they use, and you don't know what format they use. So what you do is you go to an investor and say, hey, what kind of deals are you looking for? How do you typically structure them? What's the best format for you guys? And, you know, maybe, maybe I got something for you. You take all that information, you go away, and you structure your investment opportunity exactly how they, they want to look at it. And you move from there. Forget about I have to be businesslike or I have to be the big shot or, you know, that sort of attitude. It's a total turnoff for family-owned smaller businesses, even for larger companies. No one likes self-absorbed people that know it all. Um, you know, and I've worked at the highest, highest levels, and I was always the guy without the tie. I wear a jacket, pocket square, the whole works. You know, I would just walk in there and be me. I owned my presence. I owned my identity. I wasn't somebody else. So when you sit down with the seller, you start with the vision of the seller. What is their issue for wanting to sell in the first place? What is their perceived problem, challenges, and actual problem? Usually a personal issue is the trigger. For instance, we had a guy who wanted to sell. And he said, yeah, I want to sell. I'm 60. I guess he was 64 years old. It's time to retire, this, that, and the other. And he was just sort of not being conducive in the conversation. And I felt like, I feel like you don't actually want to sell. He said, well, you know, I, I need to spend time with my wife. And, you know, just went into this discussion where it turns out that he actually doesn't want to sell at all, but his wife is pressuring him to. So instead of saying, I'm going to acquire your company or we're going to acquire your company, we said, well, how about this? We're going to fit, we're going to do what we call a, um, a WIBO, a work in and buy out. And I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, pay you a little bit and then we're going to move forward and we're going to pay you a monthly fee to help us phase yourself out of the business while we're taking over. So that'll take about two years. How's that sound? And he was like, oh my God, that's great. So he would work part-time, had no financial responsibility. He would just advise us on moving through. So I appealed to his wish to not leaving the business and got what we wanted out of the deal as well. So this is why it's important to figure out that personal issue because that's, that's what the real trigger is. So when you speak to them, listen, listen more than speaking. Find their vision and run with it. Go all in and forget what you or cookie cutter solutions. They are simply there to realize their vision. 
You're simply there to realize your vision of the seller. Some of you are saying, oh, I can do that. And probably you can, and you probably are doing this. However, here comes a pivotal point. Once you get to that point, what happens? Most people will go away, set up the deal, and immediately find a deal structure and present an LOI to lock in the deal and then go out and try to accomplish the mission. So they want the deal before they go out and find a solution. My process is different. I create a vision of where the company can go, what I can see in future, incorporating the best solutions discussed with the owner, and then map out a path and write it down. And I write it down free of legal paragraphs, official offers, head of terms, or an LOI. People are like, what are you nuts? Like, no, because the acceptance of the deal is key before I structure it. How I will do the exact deal is of no importance to me until I know they're accepted. So let go of the rules or the way that it's supposed to be done according to business school and paint that picture, get buy-in and ask them how they wish to proceed. Often, this is enough to win not only trust, but belief that you as a person are their only solution. And in this case, you typically are because you went out and did the work. And then you're asking for money, not asking for money. And then let me see what happens. Then and only then is when you construct a deal. Most will say, well, I don't know which deal is best. And we'll use the classic structures of a, of a, you know, a loan or asset leveraging or such, but it doesn't have to be this way. And here it comes. What if I told you that using the company's bank account as a down payment is possible? Basically using their own money to buy their company from them. Do I have your attention? I think so, probably. <laughs> so that money belongs to the corporation, right? It's a, it's a corporate uh, bank account. If they want to withdraw the money before the sale, they're going to pay upwards of 30% capital gains tax. But if they agree to sell the company to, for a dollar to me, and I pay them as a consultant to stay on and help run the company, because I never perform any operational duties, they save the 30% capital gains tax. Do you see where this is going? So here's an example. The company has a million dollars in the bank account and wants $1.5 million for the company. I would negotiate to acquire the company for a dollar, pay them $500K out of their own bank account as a down payment out of, you know, out of the corporate account, and then agree to a preferred payment plan for the other $1 million over the next two to five years, depending on the current and forecasted revenue. So I'm going to take $500K out of their bank account, and I'm going to pay them the next two to five years out of the revenue that I generate in their company and that they generate in their company paying this person out of their business. This way, they save the capital gains. This way, they also get not only that payment, but they get the wages or the salary that they get to help us phase the company into the exit stage. So it's a win-win. This basically, they just got a bump up. They just got a massive bump up. They get a nice chunk of 500K up front, and then for the next two to five years, you know, they're getting quarterly payments of God knows what, 200, 200 grand or whatever it is. Our team who are all entrepreneurs, by the way, work together to all get equity shares in the companies I or they bring to the table by deploying their own special talents to manage the deal, the closing and the after purchase operational financial triage. During the due diligence stage, we typically identify a massive savings of revenue opportunity that we will use to solidify the success of the deal. Once we acquire the company, we go to work or rather the specialists do. And first, we perform financial triage by deploying methods like payment holidays for the first six weeks of our creditors. We collect debts owed or offer interest-free payments. We flip credit lines to long-term loans. We reduce costs. Maybe we secure the assets by invoicing them out to another, another LLC or SPV and lease them back or a million other solutions we can have in order to save, save the company or cut the costs in the beginning to increase the cash flow. So do I know how to do all of that? No. 
And I don't want to know how to do all that. I know how to do some of it, but that's not my interest. This is where the deal, key, the deal team comes in, as I mentioned above. If you're an accountant and on my team, you do this in every company that we acquire, making you the absolute go-to for any company. Same with operational or other specialties, engineers and things like that. Let me, let me give you an example of how critical it is to work in a team. Um, this is a deal that fell through, but I want to explain the deal because it was very complicated. Recently, I was close to closing a deal for a, a compressed foam factory in the USA. It was losing $1.5 million a year consistently for nine years straight, but it was making 5 to $6 million revenue. So you're thinking like, my goodness, that sounds horrible. Well, 51% 51 of that company was owned by a Japanese mega corporation who basically was inflating the costs and for claiming and uh, inflating the costs and claiming that revenue out of for the mother corporation, basically keeping uh, the losses in America so they could write them off. The Japanese firm was considering shutting it down. And this is where I came in and I said, hey, let me save the jobs because there was a lot of veterans working there. Matter, matter of fact, this deal came to me because a veteran came to me and said, hey, can you help save our company? Because there's a lot of veterans here, and I know you're a veteran. Can you help us save this company? So I said, okay, let me save the jobs, and you sell us the company for a dollar. And they laughed like crazy. They looked at like, like I was some kind of goofball. Um, we were we, when, when we got to the final stages, we would acquire it for a dollar, assume the assets of $3 million and the inventory of $1.5 million for a total of $4.5 million. However, we planned to defer the payments for that $4.5 million over the next five years, but would start paying the debt first in 12 months. We also negotiated a reduced rent on the property they owned from $35K a month to $19.5K a month, and much more like identifying that they had a three-month backlog in orders because they're working at capacity, which to me meant their prices were too low. And that's an easy adjustment, but wouldn't kick in for another three to four months. So we needed that time to collect. Then we were seeking to purchase the 90 acres of property property that was on and the real estate and immediately sell it to a REIT, a real estate investment trust, and lease it back from them. This way, we actually received the value of the property and proposed ROI based on the rental agreement we signed up front in cash. So if the property is worth, let's say, $5 million, and I can look at the revenue of the company that's already being generated plus my forecast, and I see that I can pay... X amount every month for rent to this company. If that X amount is more than $5 million, they will give me more than $5 million. If I can pay over the next 10 years, whatever they give me plus 20% and I can pay it and I can justify it through my, through my revenue, I get all that money up front. That's some scary stuff right there. That's some scary stuff. So think about that. That would give us a buffer for working capital or we could pay, we could all pay ourselves a nice bonus if we wanted to, which we wouldn't do. The whole deal was done with general meetings. Not much detail as to the specifics of contracts and agreements. The lawyers hated it, but even they're human and they have, and, and they have emotions too. So we got them in on the, on the discussions on the emotional side. Only once we had discussed and more or less agreed on all what I wrote above, what, what I just said above, are we to structure the deal itself and all the legalities for which we have another specialist who does this for equity. So upon closing, we, we would have all drawn a salary for work completed and for work to be completed, nothing big, maybe 5, 10K a month. But when one owns multiple companies, that 5 or 10K a month adds up. Again, I have no operational role, only advising and problem solving. The management team stays in place who, who was in there when we bought the company and they run the whole thing.
Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. Jeremy Nowling here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Jean Paul Guidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Strasnader. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We got a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I want to open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. How is this possible? You're asking yourself, how is this even possible? You know, I'm, I'm living in Hungary in a small village in the middle of nowhere with 2,000 people, literally. That's where I live. How, how, how can I be doing this all over the world? Well, mostly in America and in, in the UK. It's because I work from the inside out, right? In our book, we talk about identity. My identity is not one of a buyer or the mergers and acquisitions guy, the corporate guy, an investor, or any other outside title. I'm Steven, and that's it. Everything I mentioned hinges on a personal relationship. And that personal relationship is not with a title or a position. It's with you, the person in front of you right now. That's who the relationship is with. In our book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, we go into depth on how you can own your true identity and presence in life and be powerfully present in any situation, private or professional. How not to use titles or positions as your identity and how, how, and how to dominate any situation, powerfully humble. You can, you can grab the book on Audible, Kindle, or paperback on Amazon. You know, I could go on and on and on. I love creative possibilities in acquiring companies. There's actually 15 ways to acquire companies with no money down. It's like putting a puzzle together, but instead of pre-cut pieces, you get to cut the pieces. In other words, you are not forcing preconceived beliefs or biases into the deal. Before I wrap up and get, get to questions, and I'm leaving a lot of time for questions because I'm assuming there will be, um, I want to talk about a deal that I did. Uh, it was with a solar generator company, very small. It was a startup. I typically don't work with startups. They needed introduction to some distributors. And so I said, okay, destruction, uh, you know, introduction to distributors, I can do that for you. Um, I found some distributors, spoke to them about this, if they were interested, if they could sell it, they, they agreed, yes. Then I went back to this, the company. I said, okay, I have these people for you. I'm going to help you get into this distributorship and in the future even more. For this specific moment right now, I'm requesting a 10K upfront, or maybe it's 20K, I don't remember, 10 or 20K upfront fee for the introductions. And I'm going to, um, I'm asking for a 3% commission over the next five years of anything that people that I bring in now or in the future in sales. And they're like, okay, well, um, hmm, let's see. And uh, <laughs> they had never heard of anything, anything like that before. And then I calculated for them, okay, this distributor has X amount of stores, X amount of doors, I think it was 3,000 doors. They will bring X amount of you know generators into X amount of stores into X amount of clients. That is at a minimum, I don't know, five point whatever million dollars it was. You're paying me 10 or 20K plus three, three, a 3% commission, is it worth it to you? And they're like, oh yeah, actually it is. And boom, off we went. So there's a paragraph that you put in, in any kind of um, any kind of deal that you do, and that's called drag and tag. 
And drag and tag means that if that company gets sold, you get dragged along into the next company. And that's exactly what happened. So they changed owners. Uh, it's a larger company with bigger investment. I now own, instead of 5% in the small company, I own 5% in the big company. I did nothing. I just got dragged and tagged over. Also in that paragraph is 100% shareholder agreement um, um, re regulation, meaning that no matter how much of a minority share you have, you have the right to vote. And without your vote, nothing can be changed. Shares can't be diluted and things like that. These are all things you can download from the internet. These are all things. I can send it to you. It doesn't even matter, you know. And it's these are all simple ways for you to own equity in companies without having any, any, any kind of operational role. If you don't want to, if you want to, go for it. But then that's all you'll be doing. And you get paid for it. So if you think about it, let's just take the Austrian deal, for instance. I don't remember if it was 10 or 20K up front. So let's say it was 10K up front for the introductions. Then I got a retainer of three months for 5K a month. So that's uh, 25K right there, right? Then I got commissions over the next three years, 5%, or was it five years, 3%, I don't remember. And then I got equity, 7.5% equity in the deal. So I got immediate money, which was the upfront fee. I got short-term money, which was three months of the retainer. I got midterm and long-term money, which was commissions. And then I got an exit, which was the equity, which I haven't exited yet, but that's, that's the equity in the deal. I also put clauses in there that say things like I have a guaranteed um, – uh, um, the, the guaranteed buyout after three years at the then current valuation of the company. And it's my choice. They can't make me sell. I can only sell. And they typically agree to this. Why? Why would anybody agree to that? Because the solution that you provide before you ask for anything is so attached to them, to, so attached to their personal issues, so attached to their personal triggers. They're like, man, this person understands me, gets me, presented me on a silver platter, the exact solutions that I need. Why wouldn't I be a brain dead not to work with this person? That's how you create relationships. That's how you get equity in companies. That's how you, you create wealth through acquisition in mergers and acquisitions in this business. So um, I thought that would be interesting for a lot of you. M many of you have asked for that over time. I know we got 30 minutes left. Let me reset the room real quick, and then we'll get into some questions. You are in Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. Did you know that we're not just on Clubhouse? We have Breakfast with Champions podcast and Breakfast with Champion pages on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter also on LinkedIn. And we want you to be there for you. We, we want to be there for you wherever you are. So here's what we want you to do. Go to Breakfast of Champions Club on Instagram, click on the link in our bio. And from there, you can follow us anywhere you want to stay connected. Sound like a plan? Sound like a plan. All right, rock and roll. So that's, that's my typical um, tangible sort of um, presentation for everyone out there. Let's hear the questions. All right. Any question at all? I'll yes. Say, I was just going to say, Stephen, when you wrote in the counter, it's going to be good. That was the truth. I'm just like, I'm taking it all in. This has been amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. I have a question. Go ahead, go go for it. Who who who's speaking? This is Kwani Burks. All right, bring it. What's up, everybody? This is Kwani Burks, and my question is: Can you show me how to acquire companies? 
can I, can I show you? Yeah, I can show you. I just explained it to you. There's more ways to do that. I can definitely do that. That's what I do. I do it every Wednesday with anywhere between 20 and 50 M&A specialists from around the world. You have to have taken a special class to do that. It's a three-day class um, in, in, in mergers and acquisitions. And then you can join my free mastermind that I do every Wednesday now for two years. And people say, why do you do it for free? It's because every deal that goes through my mastermind there, I, I get a piece of equity or I get a piece, I get some, you know, some fees or whatever it is that, that's involved in there. So plenty of ways to do it. So if you want to chat, just write me a mail and uh, we figure it out from there. I think he left. Well, you disappeared. No, no, I'm still here. Oh, there you go. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> Sound good? Uh, perfect. All right, brother. Let's hear it. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Ed, what, what do you got, brother? Good morning, Stephen. I really appreciate you and all the rest of the champions here today. I, uh, on the, the technical aspects of it, so, yeah, I sell you my company for a dollar to save capital gains. How is me taking the $500,000 back? Uh, out of the company, how does that happen from a financial or tax perspective, please? You are then brought on as a consultant to help us trans transfer uh, knowledge to us through the company. So you sell the company, and we bring you on as a consultant. So I'm taking it on as regular income? Yes. Or Instead as of a, cap as a free, Yeah, as a freelancer or however you want to break it up through an LLC. Some people do it through foundations. It just depends what, what their tax structure is. Gotcha. Appreciate it. I love it. Sure. I had a. Uh, uh, I'm not an MBA, but I I did use essentially the same formula to get myself into my first seven-figure real estate commission job on a pocket development in uh, Colorado. So it definitely works. I appreciate you and uh, look forward to diving into your book. Awesome. That's uh, good. Good for you, man. That that sounds that sounds like fun. We should chat. I I, I love I love digging this stuff apart. All right. Who else we got out there? Any questions from anyone? Actually, left a specific a lot of time for this. Um, for for these questions, so typically I get a lot of questions. So, any questions out there? Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, Stephen, I have a question. This is Kate. Yes. What is one of the biggest mistakes that you've seen people make when acquiring a company? Yes. Um, when they're trying to acquire a company, uh, what happens is. They show up with their idea of what's gonna what's gonna fit. So they you know they study, or they um, okay I see the hands raised. Okay, they'll they'll they'll, they'll go in with a preconceived notion to be like okay I want to buy this company for no money down or I want to I want to do you know a twenty percent payment and do the rest deferred, without even speaking to the owner. I mean I have people coming to me all the time in the mastermind. They're like hey I got this deal I want to do this and this and that and that and I'm like have you spoken to the owner yet? No. Well then what are you worried about? It's literally a conversation that you have to have with the owner before you even consider doing anything about any kind of structure, deal, payment, whatever it is. Always find out who the person is in front of you, what are their motivations, what are their triggers, and how can you help them create, uh, co-create the vision that they're actually looking for. Sometimes they don't even know, right? It's all about that human to human, person to person. And honest to God, it doesn't matter. I mean, of course, when you're in the corporate world, it doesn't matter. You show up, here's a big briefcases, here's our money, take it or leave it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you and I, normal people that aren't in that world, but can act in that world, right? We can go in and we can not act, what's the word, um, operate in that word, in, in that world. And we operate in that world by being authentic, speaking to someone as a person, you as a person, and not as a title or some kind of, you know, briefcase or whatever. Make sense? 
Yeah, it does. And and I really appreciate you, Stephen. This was like this is like a masterclass in this. And what I love and appreciate the most is I feel like so many people talk about startups and they want to they want to get buy into a startup. And this is so much different. It's like you're you're investing in a company that already has the success. So it really kind of helped shift my mindset around uh, investing in businesses. So I appreciate that. Of course. Well, let me tell you this. This is going to startle you. <clears throat> in the next 10 years, $74 trillion of businesses are going to change hands because baby boomers are all retiring. And their millennial and what other generation friends uh, uh, families don't want their companies. They don't want brick and mortars. They don't want service companies. They don't want plumbing companies. They don't want HVAC companies. So all these companies are coming up for sale. Trillions and trillions of dollars coming up for sale. And banks are not so happy to lend right now, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. Um, the currency changes are going to come. It's all going digital. There's so many things going on uh, that are to the – it's a buyer's market like nobody's business before. It's also a seller's market, but there's so many companies out there you can't even keep up. Um, so if you look at it that way and you say, you know what, why wouldn't I take a company on? And this is, this is what you do. You don't take the company on to sit there and run it for the next 20 years. You take the company on for one of two reasons in my, in my case. One is to increase the revenue, reduce the cost, and exit meaning selling it to a larger company. Or two, you look at three to six smaller companies of the same exact industry, and you do what you call a roll-up. So for instance, I'll get six plumbing companies, I'll form a holding, all six of those companies own equity in the holding, and the holding owns equity in all six of those companies. They operate as they've always operated before, they're autonomous, they make revenue or whatever. We in the holding control the finances, and the value of that holding is the value of all six of those together. And then you sell the holding as a massive exit. Everybody wins. There's a, there's a capital event where everybody's clapping hands and doing high fives. So that's why you buy into a company. That's why you get equity in the company. It's about the exit. It isn't about, I want to run a company for the next 30 years. That's in, that's in my case. If you want to run a company for the next 30 years, knock yourself out. <laughs> I'd rather work less, make more. All right. Good stuff, Kate. Thank you so much. So Steven, I, I got a quick question. Yes, sir. Mind. Yes, hey, sir. awesome stuff, by the way. I, I had a question about the the writ that you were talking about. What yes. kind of can you walk through maybe a, a sample deal that you've done? What kind of upfront costs that was, how long it was to convert? And it almost sounded like you said there was a hundred percent buy-in once you could prove that you could get more out of the rental. Yeah. Well, I can give you in theory, I don't do any of those deals. Like me personally, okay. we have guys that do these deals. They like we have a real estate guy, we got a REIT guy, I got finance guys. So it's, I'm I'm the deal maker. I'll get in front of the person, I'll close the deal, find it, you know, we talk to them. I'm the the orator, I guess you could say. I'm the Zoom call guy. You're the closer. <laughs> I'm the closer. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. And um, well, I always say I'm the starter, meaning we're starting a relationship. Um, so basically how it works is if let's say the, comp the, the the real estate's worth $1 million, and don't quote me on this because I'm not a, a professional, but this is how I understand it. Let's say the, the real estate's worth $1 million, and your revenue in your company is, I don't know, 500K a year, 600K a year, whatever. They're going to give you, they can give you a $1 million for that revenue, for, for that company, sorry, for the real estate upfront, as long as you can guarantee you're going to pay 20% return. That's all they care about. So you're going to get 1.2 million instead of a million when you can guarantee that you can pay that rent, the lease over the next 10 years. And you do that by calculating your revenue. What's your revenue now? What's revenue growth gonna be? What have you deployed in order to dec decrease costs and, and, and increase revenue? Are you gonna do acquisition growth or, or scaling through acquisition? What is it you're gonna do? And then you calculate out, okay, actually um, we could pay 
but they don't want to give a 50% return. They want to give a 20% return. And so they're going to give you even more cash for that. I mean, you can get up to, I mean, I, I know a guy in Florida that got double what the real estate was worth because he could afford to pay back that rent over 10 years for 20% um, uh, plus. So that's about my understanding of it. Okay, great. Thank you. All like right. Said, awesome stuff. Yeah, well, thank, uh, thank, uh, thank you. There's a lot of people out there that know more than I do about the REITs. So go for it and just grab one. I'm sure there's someone listening right now. Be like, yeah, I can just explain that. But we'll do that in another session. <laughs> All right. Another hand. Anyone else? Yes, Linnell. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you so much for this. <laughs> Thank you so much for this, this training this morning. I'd never heard about this before. I, I did hear that you mentioned the class that you give. How would I take the class? And then do you have any follow-up classes? Because I would really like to learn this. Um, it's not my class. It's a, it's a class um, that's, it's, created by um, a, a guy that I know. And he teaches thousands and thousands of people this, this M&A, a no money down M&A for the for it's a three day or four day course. It's online now I did it in person in London. Uh, but it's an, it's online now I actually teaching that course. I give a keynote in that course now because I've like one of the most, you know, active guys in the group, I guess you could say, um, the persons in the group. And then after that, you can join my mastermind for free, you just show up every Wednesday, 9am Eastern, and get on Zoom with us anywhere between, you know, 10, 20, up to 70 people sometimes, depending on, on what time of the year it is and what kind of deals we have going on. And what happens is in those masterminds, people end up doing deals together. For instance, Linnell, you say, look, I know it for company, but I don't know what I'm doing. Who wants to help me? And a finance guy will step up, operations guy will step up, a banker will step up, and you will all form a deal team where you're going to take 30, 40% equity and you'll split it. So you each get 10%. They do all the work. You sit there. You have a passive income of the 10% either through dividends. And if you're lucky, you get to pay yourself a salary as well. How would I find out more information about your masterclass? For you? Drop me a message, drop me a message and I'll, uh, I'll send you the links. Awesome. I would you like you're on Instagram as you wish, as you wish. Easy. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. So we have Lily, you're interested. Okay. Um, yes, Sarah, could you bring up whoever is asking for raising hands? That'd be good. So I'm not too good at this whole thing. So that'd be great. Hey, Stephen, I'll go ahead and jump in. This is Janice. Yes, Janice. Yes. First of all, thank you. Thank you so much for all the knowledge that you poured on us. That was wonderful. And I really enjoyed your book, Humble Alpha. You have a lot of good thought provoking things in your book on what you shared and definitely going to sign up for the class to be in on the Wednesday. What I thought might be fun to hear about is when you first started, what was your first acquisition? How did you feel after that? Oh, well, it's funny you say that <laughs> because this is this is not a fly by night deal, uh, deal, deal structure that I'm talking about here. Yes, I understand. But once you get into the groove, now there's ways to do it and there's ways to do it. So my first deal actually, and I was actually in this three day course in London and on the second day. I acquired my first 30% equity in my first company on the second day of the course, but I did it in a different way. So basically the guy said, look, I need, I need 10 K to buy startup materials. It was a window and glass cleaning company in San Diego. And I knew the guy and he was super successful, but had shut down because of some marital problems. And now he's opening back up again. He cleaned like, um, uh, Mariah Carey's windows in her mansion and stuff. So he had all these contacts. So I knew he was going to fly. And I said, okay, um, 30% equity, I'll give you 10K. I want it back in four months, no interest. And he said, okay. So basically, I got 30% of, of, of the company for bridging him 10K 
over four months, which he paid back $2,500 a month until uh, it was paid off after four months. And then I owned 30% of the company. That was my first deal, like, um, you know, that outright deal. And that was pretty amazing. And he was happy with it. I was happy with it. That's sweet. That's wonderful. The one other question is, I, in Texas, I know a lot of people that are selling their large ranches and stuff, and yeah. I'm not able to <clears throat> acquire the large ranch by myself. So in on the Wednesday after I would take the class, would that be something with just real estate that would be divided up? Um, well, the Wednesday classes are only for graduates of the of, of the of the course right, itself. Right, right. You know, so <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely real estate people all over the place in in this. I mean, a lot of M and A um, um, guys who take this course are already in real estate. Guys and gals in this um, are are in real estate. So yeah, definitely, most most certainly. I know. Uh, better you buy it up before foreign countries do. So let's get started. <laughs> most definitely. Thank you. All right. Next. Stephen, hi, this yes. is Stephen DiMartino. Hey. Hi. Um, you know, I've been listening and thinking um, to you. Uh, when I sold my uh, brick-and-mortar spa, it was an asset purchase. Uh, the uh, guy that bought the business did not – I did not sell the trade name, the product line, the URL, all of the tangibles of that uh, because he didn't understand it and um, he was not – valuing it properly, or for, to my estimation anyway. Um, but I was listening to you with the um, uh, explanation or idea of uh, sell it, selling it to uh, companies that have, like you would use the example of the plumber, uh, a plumbing group and things like that. Uh, it, I'm not opposed to working on selling it at all at this time, but I, I really am not clear on how I should go about that. Um, would that be something I could talk to you about? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I we have <laughs> – I got a thousand guys chomping at the bit to buy companies. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's like – when I say guys, I mean people. Sure, okay, no, I – hey, I'm from New yeah. York. I mean guys. Yeah, I know, right? I know the <laughs> guy you're doing that. I'm from yeah. Philly. That's how I know you. Okay, good. Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Awesome. And I don't speak I don't speak English that much, so, you know, <laughs> I, it's like old school English anyway, so I've been in Europe too long. And, Thanks, and, Megan. And, yeah, reach out. Reach out. Yeah, my, I will. Be my pleasure. Thank you. All right. We got a couple more minutes here. What we got going on here? Kimberly. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Loving Kimberly. this conversation again this morning. Thank you. Um, uh, like you, like I've started many companies and helped a lot of people start them. And that's exciting. That's um, a wonderful time in the life of a business. But a lot of my work uh, also has been helping to grow and scale businesses. And when I look at a company, I automatically, without even trying, am imagining how we're going to scale that company. And as you said, with the transfer now into digital, it in the early days, that meant give someone a website. Today, it's a whole new business model and sometimes a whole new understanding of what business they're actually in. So I think this is a dynamic conversation, as you said, a pivotal time about what's coming up in transfer. Um, so I just wanted to echo that um, as entrepreneurs and as business builders, that we are remiss if we think that the life of an entrepreneur is only about starting things. It is about growing things and scaling things and creating and having creative partnerships together to achieve our goals. 
Um, sure. My question for you is, I have a background in mergers and acquisitions, but understand the prerequisite to join your group, which I will do immediately, is this class. Is it on demand or is it times? No, it's quarterly. Okay. No, it's not. Unfortunately, it's quarterly. Darn. It's live. Okay. It's quarterly and it's live. There could be one coming up very soon. I think I spoke the last one was like two months ago, so it could be clear. So if anyone's interested in joining the course, let me know and I'll hook you up with the guys who, who the, the guy who sets it all up and signs you up and all that kind of stuff. And then after that, every Wednesday, accountability, people from the UK, people from India, people from South America, South Africa, South America, United States, Canada, all M&A people looking to buy and sell, looking to acquire, roll up, bolt on, you know, bolt on all kinds of stuff. So there's all kinds of there's all kinds of opportunities out there. Now, like I said, this isn't an overnight sensation. It's not an overnight money uh, money maker. We call it deal virginity or vir, deal virgins. Like basically, you take the course, and then it, some people takes up to two years to close the first deal. I did mine in the first weekend. If you're diligent and you actually do the work and um, work the way that I'm explaining from the inside out and not from the outside in, um, you will have you will come to fruition much quicker. Put it that way. All right. Anyone else? Monica, what's up? What's up, my cousin? Hey, I gotta stop the bike. Um, so I have a, a quick question for you. I'm listening with rapt intent, as I always have to you. And what about those of us on the call who are wondering, what is like, how does my skill set fit into this deal? Like, not everybody is an accountant, for example, or uh, whatever the role, the key roles would be on a turnaround team. Mm -hmm. What would you say to folks who are wondering? Do I fit into these deals? Like, yeah. I'm a whatever. I'm a consultant. I'm a coach. I'm a artist. Is there yep. is there room for everyone, and how do we fit in? Oh yes, there's room for everyone, and, and and even if that room is you standing in the back of the room, you know, I mean, you don't have to be involved. Matter of fact, you don't want to be involved. Uh, you you don't want to have. I mean, you can be involved in the deal making, talking to the owner, and this kind of stuff as part of the deal team. But you surround yourself with people that to can do everything that you can't do. That's that's how I that's how I survive and thrive. I do only what I'm good at and only what I want to do. I don't do anything else. I don't do admin. I don't do none of that stuff. None of it. Because I want to focus on the powers that I have, my zone of genius. And that's where I deploy everything else. For everything else, we have a deal team. I bring them in. Hey, okay, I got this thing. Okay, it's, you know, I have a guy named Sergio in Canada who's a freaking wizard. And he's got a software that he uses to look at a company. And in 45 minutes, he can tell you the next year what they can make if they've made you know, up to 14 different changes in 14 different areas. And he'll spit out he'll he'll spit out the revenue not only the revenue that they can make but he'll spit out the exact steps they need to take to, to achieve that revenue now why why would i want to do that myself you know what i mean like i don't want to do that myself right what i do is i advise i advise the owners of these companies with my partner lane on how to scale their mind grow their possibilities dream bigger see what they're looking at right now as let's say a 30 million dollar company let's make it a hundred million dollar company but to, in order to make that happen we got to change their mind first. We got to we got to increase the ability for them to see that there is no ceiling, and so that's that's what I do in these businesses. If what about, if needed. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. What about the person in the audience who is, let's say, they are uh, a civil engineer? I'm just going to make yeah. that up. Okay. What might they bring to a deal? Like, would they be the deal maker? What if you know? Do you see what I'm? I'm maybe I'm asking my question poorly. But if they're not an operations person, which you said, you know, you don't want to be, right. and they have a specialized skill like civil engineering, for example, what would be their role on the on the team? Well, I would say if, you, if, if I'm a civil engineer, I'm going to look for engineering companies. 
right, to acquire. I'm going to ask, I'm going to put out my fuels for, for engineering companies that I can acquire so I can speak their language. And then if, if, if I see the company is making good revenue and I see a, a potential to grow it through my pipeline or through my uh, network, and I can see that, okay, maybe with my finance guy, we looked and, okay, yeah, we can save some costs, then I'm the specialist. I go in and say, all right, we're going to do this. So you want to choose according to your skill set. You know, and my skill set is general. So I have a I have a skill set of speaking to people and starting the starting the relationship and the deal flow. And then all the technical stuff, all of the operational stuff I can do because I've done it, but I don't want to do it. So I don't do it. Right. That doesn't mean that I have 20, 20 deals a month. These these deals are those are, these deals take a long time to close a lot of them. And that's why I focus on mainly on what I spoke about first. And that is how do I add value to this company, get a little bit of equity get an upfront, upfront fee and a retainer. That's what I focus on. And that, that creates a, a, you know, an ongoing revenue. So I get your point. Uh, I would say if you're, for instance, uh, Monica, as a coach, and you want to acquire a company, there's plenty of coaching companies out there that are doing million plus that are ready to exit. So you find a company that's ready to exit. That's a coaching company. You buy into that company. You can buy it for no money down, possibly depending on what the relationship you have with this person that you've built with this person, with the owner. Or you can get an investor to come in with you 50-50 or get a bridge loan, whatever it is. There's a lot of ways to a lot of ways to do it. Next thing you know, you're a specialist in a company that you bought that's already running and already gener generating revenue, and you just add the value that you bring to the table. Helpful. Thank you. <laughs> no problem, cuz. All right, we got time for a couple more. Hey Steven, it's Lauren. Yes, Lauren. Hello, everybody. Hi. It's Lauren. How you doing? Everybody remembers you from two weeks ago. Yes, yeah. yes, thank you. I just am um, less of a question, more of a, a point, uh, you know, addition to your point is on um, really leveraging your network. I mean, um, it is so important to be able to come in with uh, your network as value. So when you're saying adding value to, you know, a, a potential merger is actually like you being the advisor and then having the network to actually step in and do those technical positions that really need to make the deal. So, you know, that, that goes for a takeover or a um, having, you know, whether it be commission or equity in, in a deal is so important to um, have that network close so that you can then bring in the support that you need in order to make the deal. So, And that's exactly why I work with you and Chris, uh, your husband, yeah. Chris, with POE, because you are in my network and you do what I don't like to do. So, <laughs> and that's, that's why I actually introduced you to Jeannie, who's right, right below you. So yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> every, the clubhouse Hi, connections going round and round, right? Absolutely. So, awesome. Awesome. You see that? No, you see that, Glenn? Uh, we're doing business in your room already. This is fantastic. All right. The opportunity bus is always passing by. The super connectors Amen. are going to, or the super connector folks are the ones that are going to see it, and they're going to remember who to connect to what to get in the way of some of that equity. Thanks there for Stephen for a great segment this morning. Awesome, Ed. Thank you so much. We got time for about one or two more questions, and then we can rock and roll and move on to. I guess it's Ramon today again. I don't see him in the room, but we'll move on in a second. Diane, what's going on? Good morning, Stephen. What an amazing segment. I'm just super grateful that I tuned in at this time. It seems 
every single time I come on here, it is always relevant to whatever's going on with me. <laughs> awesome. I swear. It is the most insane thing. And the other thing is that you guys always, everything seems to be in synchronicity. So when one of you speaks on a topic, it just seems like that day, everybody seems to be touching on something that's related. And I love that. And I love you guys, all of you. Um, that's my first point. So wow. but my second thing is I'm struggling. I have a startup. I've been in business five years. I'm doing pretty good. Um, but I can't seem to get past a certain revenue. And it's driving me a little crazy. And I don't... <laughs> I've been looking for a partner. And I don't know if that's the solution, right? Um, right. I Especially because I, I tend to migrate towards people that have similar skill sets and talents that I do because I can relate to them. And I don't think that's serving me well. I, I like you just said, I yeah. want people that will do things that I don't want to do. Right. right. And stay in my area of genius. So I'm struggling right now. I, I kind of want to go off the back channel because this is a kind of a personal thing, even though it's business. And, um, yeah, reach anyway, out, I just, reach yeah, out, reach out. We can chat, reach out. We can chat. That's not an issue whatsoever. Yeah. And if I can help you, I, I promise you, I know somebody who can 100% without a doubt. 100%. All right. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it. I sent yeah, you a message out. on on Instagram. Oh, you did already. Okay, great. I awesome. Did, Thanks. Yes. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Let's get, let's get one or two more in there and then we'll be ready to roll. What do you got? Here you got. Let's hear it. I guess we've, we've done it all. Anyone hey, else? Hey, Steve. Yes. This is Tim. How you doing, partner? All right, Tim. How you doing, man? I'm good. Well, first and foremost, your 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 first segment when you were going you know quite technical i mean it was definitely informative um but i really appreciate how you kind of just broke that down pertaining to like that that coaching realm of you know identifying what your true gift is and then working with other people and i think for many of us we really have a hard time dealing with that you know it's kind of like the e-myth when we're trying to be all those individuals rather than just identifying what our true gift is. My question to you is this, when you look at business as a, as a whole in general, obviously there are certain key areas that you want to focus on as far as who's the key players. My question to you is when you look at business and your team, who are those individuals? Like whether they're accountants, a lawyers, um, operation managers, mid-level, how do you look at your team and who is on your team as far as title to perform those particular roles to acquire the company or get the deal going. I know well, you are the main person as far as the communication and starting everything, but then who else do you look at to now build that pipeline to right. make everything flow? Well, let's put it this way. We call it deal teams because the team changes, right? It depends. If, if I'm buying an engineering company, I need some engineers, right? Or acquiring an engineering company. Um, let's put it this way. So in that's why I, I do the mastermind. Right, so that's why I do the mastermind every Wednesday, the accountability call, is because someone will show up and say, "Hey, I got this company, this, that, and the other. Steve, can you talk to them and start the deal, like start the the the, the process?" And I'll be, I will talk and say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll, you know, I'll take, you know, a third of whatever the deal structure is. So if there's three people on the deal team, we're going to split the equity three ways, or there's four people, we'll split it four ways. We'll get that taken care of, and then I'll just go in and start doing my part." And they take over and do their part, or I bring a deal to the table and say, "Look, guys, I got this, you know, this this." For instance, that 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 company in the USA for the for the foam that I explained, um, I have no idea about that. So I brought on two engineers, one from America and one from the UK. One from the UK actually worked in compressed foam, and this guy lit it up. I mean, he he basically closed the deal with the other engineers there because they're like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. 
if it was just me, me talking to them, they'd feel great, but they'd be like, dude, you don't have any experience in engineering, so how are you going to do this? And that's why you choose people according to the industry that you're in, according to the situation in the company. So I did the first call by myself, listened. I said, okay, I need someone with specialty. I reached out to my network of about 1,000 M&A guys and gals. I, who, who's, who's an engineer? I knew one guy named Mohammed in the UK. The other one was Bill in Florida. And we, we came together and we rocked it. You know, So it depends on the deal. It depends on the, the, the owner or the person we're speaking to. It depends on their specific needs and their mindset because sometimes they just want to get rid of it. They don't care. They just want to exit. Sometimes they're really worried about legacy. They're really worried about their employees, which is often the case. So we got to be, you know, sort of, um, what's the word, a little more tender with it than just going in and saying, we're going to buy this company. I'm going to move on. So that's why I always choose separate people for separate different companies. Okay. Great. Thanks. I appreciate All right, it. Tim. All right, Tim. Wish we had more time. We could go on forever. Maybe, maybe next Thursday, I'll, we'll do something similar. Let's see. But if you're learning from this room today, just imagine how much you gain when we come together in person in Lexington, Kentucky on November 5th to the 7th for the grow for grow for God's for the Grow for God Conference, Grow Your Business for God's Sake Conference. Glenn Lundy will be celebrating the thousandth episode of Rise and Grind, featuring so many of your favorite Breakfast of Champion speakers and spearheaded by Tamara, who is on the lookout for your 60-day challenge check-ins, by the way. If you're one of the almost 900 people in this community doing the challenge, we're so proud of you. And if you haven't started yet, it's not too late. Go to www.glennlundy.com slash 67-day challenge to sign up now everybody have a fantastic day it was awesome being with you i love uh, passing on knowledge like this this is what i live for and remember that one thing we always say joy if you're there say it with me it's all about quality, quality of life yeah Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.